1: Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it: get one percent better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back, Stephen Holder here with Zach Keefer another episode of One Percent Better, and it's getting interesting. Here we go. So, what is this? Week five, Colts three and one, headed to Cleveland. Browns three and one. Hmm. Zach, sounds like an interesting matchup. i I tell you, I didn't anticipate this being one of the marquee matchups in week five of the NFL season, but it kind of is, and and I'm kind of looking forward to this. I think it's going to tell us a little bit about maybe both teams. Um, How big a game is this, do you think? Yeah,
2: for sure. I'm totally on board with you in that it kind of snuck up on us in terms of a pretty good AFC matchup, and I was on with our colleague Zach Jackson in Cleveland this morning, and he kind of threw out possibly a playoff preview. We're getting way hmm. ahead of ourselves there, but it's <laughs> kind of fun, fun of it to think about. And remember, there's seven playoff teams this year instead of the usual six, so you know That's that true. helps. And look, the Browns have a long way to go. They've got Pittsburgh undefeated in their division. They've got Baltimore, who's going to be there in the end. And the Colts have not played Tennessee yet. Tennessee hasn't lost yet. They also can't get COVID out of the building, so there's a lot of football to be played. But just for the fun of it, this is a big game on Sunday. I think the Browns will be the toughest test the Colts seek, especially the Browns offense will be the toughest test the Colts defense has seen all year. And I'm looking forward to see if the Colts can stop them and win on the road for the second week in a row.
1: Right. So let's sort of size up this matchup. I really think you just kind of boiled it down, right? The the Browns offense Is going to be a factor here. So, uh, just looking at some of the numbers and, you know, not to oversimplify it, but numbers are sometimes indicative of things. So, the Browns, they're averaging 31 points. That's fourth in the NFL. They're rushing for 204.5 yards per game. That is definitely first in the NFL. (laughs) Averaging per carry, almost 5.9 yards per carry. That also is number one in the NFL. Uh, Interesting on the other side, the Colts. Uh, or allowing 3.6 yards per game on the ground, or excuse me, per carry on the ground, that's sixth best in the NFL. So they're doing the job. They've got a, they've got the job done in terms of their rushing defense, and we know the pass defense has gotten the job done. Although I think that's the secondary issue in this game. But um, you know, look, and the Browns just took a hit, obviously, with uh, their top running back going out for the for a while. Has gone on injured reserve, so. I don't know. I'm not saying that tilts it in the Colts' favor, but this was already a matchup that I think, you know, sort of fits with the Colts' strength, you know, which is their defense against the Browns' offense. And I think, you know, when, you've, when you're when you running into one of these big matchups, you want it to be favorable for you. And I think it is. I think this actually is a game where they, you know, they measure up and they can go out there and they can, they can go blow for blow with Cleveland, or at least, We think, (laughs) but that's the fun of it. We don't know. We got to find out. Um, What do you think? I mean, how, how much, let me ask you this. You've heard this. I've heard this. Ah, they haven't played anybody yet. Ah, those quarterbacks they played sucked. Okay. True. (laughs) At the same time, they have absolutely thoroughly dominated these teams uh, from, from a defensive standpoint. And I think that I think is, is the counter to that. So what do you think? How do you sort of rationalize all that?
2: Yeah, so you haven't beat anyone. What do you want them to do? I mean, the defense probably cannot look any better. They're leading the league in every significant metric, except for one. I think they're fourth in rushing defense, so they're not first. But you know they're first in pass defense, first in points, first in takeaways, first in interceptions. Two safeties lead the way as well. and you know, I like this matchup. In this way for the Colts, I love the Colts defense against the Browns offense. I do think the Colts are going to be able to stop the run. And I know the Browns have the best running game in the NFL, but they will take a significant hit without Nick Chubb. He's a stud. I'm buying the Colts defense until they prove me otherwise. And I'm okay with that. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. But especially the run defense with Houston on the edge, with Buckner up the middle, and the unsung hero of the group, Grover Stewart. On the flip side, I like the Browns defense against the Colts offense because miles Garrett is one of the best defensive players in football. And I don't like the Colts offense without Anthony Costanzo. This is Wednesday afternoon. We did not see him on the practice field. He was dealing with a rib injury. He suffered in the game against the bears. We'll know more about his status as we get closer, but I'm right up there with, with, you know, this is maybe the most irreplaceable player on the team. I mean, we've talked a lot about how this team is not the same without T Y Hilton, Let's talk about how it's not the same without Anthony Costanza. We don't know if he'll play or not. He's been incredibly tough over the years, played through a lot of injuries. But if AC's not out there, you go to LaRaven Clark, and for all the improvement LaRaven Clark has made, I don't think you can get the job done on that edge against Miles Garrett, against this team. I just, I just, It's just too much of a stretch for me. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but in that sense, I like the Browns' defense. So we'll see. We'll see how AC looks the rest of the week. Also on injuries, Bobby Okereke had the thumb surgery. He was not on the practice field today. Colts are not ready to rule him out. There's a chance he could probably play with a club on his hand like Colts have done in the past. And then De- Darius Leonard was not out there today, groin injury. Um, you know, he was fine to move around and stand on the sidelines Sunday, did not enter the game in the second half. We'll see. You know Darius wants to play. Um, these injuries could be significant, though, and, and I think Costanzo's is the most significant right now.
1: Yeah, and you hit on something in talking about the Castanzo angle, and that leads me to I think a key point. So this is a game of matchups. I mean, football always is, but this particular game, it is definitely a game of matchups. So uh, I think you're talking about a couple of them. Miles Garrett certainly, the Miles Garrett matchup versus whoever, whichever tackle, because I mean he could line up anywhere. Yeah, uh, he's going to he, maybe smart, Braden don't Smith. Don't
2: line him up against, you know. Braden
1: Smith, right? Right. It may be Braden Smith. It may be Costanzo if he plays. If he doesn't play, then it's you know the Raven Clark. Well, with the Raven Clark and Jack Doyle probably. Yeah, yeah, be. two on one. But let's be clear. But but I do think that's that's an important point. No matter who sees Miles Garrett, I think some help is in order for him. Right um, now, the Colts don't really help Costanzo very much in blocking assignments. A- in terms of the pass protection, they they rarely help him. If anything, he gets a a little bit of a chip block from a tight end or a running back before they go out for a pass. They don't really help Costanzo, and and that's fine. I mean, he has that's why he earns sixteen million dollars a year because he's a guy you don't have to help, right? Right.
2: But, Against the but, fastest, meanest, toughest guy most weeks on the edge,
1: right? So it's a it's a hard way to earn a living, but he's done it pretty well now for for nine or no, ten seasons. So so we'll see what happens. I, I do think that. Is a matchup that goes a long way in deciding this game, and you know how do the Browns, you know, take advantage of of opportunities? You know, do they move him around? Do they use stunts? Do they do different things? I mean, if if I have a great player like that, um, my game plan starts and ends with him, right? If I'm the Browns, and so they're not going to just be static and say, "All right, stay on, stay in one place the whole time." And if they're smart, they're going to look for the matchup and try to get him in an optimum position to succeed. So. So it's a big test. I mean, the teams they've seen so far, they have actually had they've actually passed the test they've seen so far. I mean, Khalil Mack, I think he had a I, I don't remember his numbers off the top of my head uh, with the Chicago game last weekend, but I mean, I didn't see Khalil Mack terrorizing Philip Rivers in that game, right? So No. No, he made so plays, I,
2: but he certainly didn't game wreck like he does a lot of times.
1: Right. So they've held their own. I'm trying to think who they've played. I mean, they saw Yannick Nguke 2 weeks ago. And honestly, he didn't like, he certainly didn't wreck the game. I don't know how much impact he even had, to be honest. So we'll see. Now, Miles Garrett is having a different kind of season than both of those guys. But all I'm saying is they have passed the test so far. Uh, Let me ask you about this matchup. I said this is a game of matchups. This is the other big one. So Xavier Rhodes and his old friend Odell Beckham. I think. I like Xavier Rhodes here. I'm not saying he wins the match, but I'm saying I think you feel pretty good about putting him out there and saying, hey, go get him. Go get that Pro Bowl receiver, that all-pro out there. I mean, I never really felt that way with the Colts, right? Not since Vontae Davis was in his prime. I haven't felt they had a guy who could go challenge somebody.
2: Xavier Rhodes, I think he can go challenge this guy. What do you think? That's going to be fun because Xavier Rhodes was that guy. In Minnesota, and there's not that many guys in the league. One of my favorite things about watching football, you know, I think everyone kind of has their favorite positions they watch, right? I've always loved watching great cornerback play, and it's mm-hmm. such a rare thing to see, especially as much teams is, are throwing. And it's just such a – everything's slanted towards the offense, right? But I remember loving watching Darrell Rivas work back there, and Invante had a great run. Look, Xavier Rhodes, this is, your, this is why you were brought here. You wanted to reestablish your name as one of the best corners in football, He's off to a great start. He's got two interceptions. Odell Beckham is coming off a three touchdown performance against Dallas, and now I don't know if the Cowboys are actually playing defense this season, but um, from what I saw Sunday, they weren't. But look, this is your challenge, and, and and they're gonna they're gonna move Beckham around, and they're gonna do some gadget stuff with him. Remember the you know the, the play that sort of sealed it on Sunday was basically just a reverse that was gonna be a fifteen yard loss if Alden Smith can tackle him but he doesn't turns into a 40 yard touchdown so right i like what you're saying i i want to see it to believe it though because they haven't beaten anybody you know dynamic yet they haven't beaten a really really good offense yet um but look xavier rose he made a smart decision he came to a defense with deforest buckner in the middle and that's making everybody's life easier we'll see how the linebackers look on sunday but um we talked about it a lot in august and july and even before that we both had major concerns about this secondary They've answered those concerns through four weeks in a big way. They were terrible in week one, and they have been lights out since. Um, it's going to be a fun matchup to see if they can stay with Cleveland because Cleveland's going to move the ball around a lot. And, you know, from talking to Zach Jackson in Cleveland this morning, he said, look, I don't know if Baker's been that much better. He was pretty bad in week one. He's been better since, but the run game has been so good, Baker hasn't had to do a whole lot. If you're the Colts, you try to make Baker beat you. And if you can cover in the back end, you might get some coverage sacks. We'll see, but um, this is going to be a fun one. This is who would have thought Browns and Colts would be, you know, one of the better games in the NFL schedule. But that's one of the matchups I'm most excited about.
1: Yeah, I, I like what you said about uh, about the running game sort of taking the game out of Baker's hands because the Colts have the ability to make him have to beat them, and I think they have done this now for several weeks running. Think about this. Go back to the Minnesota game. I thought they shut down Dalvin Cook pretty good. I mean, shut is probably too strong, but they certainly held Dalvin Cook Yeah, in check. I mean,
2: he went for 100-plus last weekend against the Texans. So, yeah, that yeah.
1: guy's legit, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, certainly the score got out of hand, and, and then the game gets taken away from Dalvin Cook at that point. But the Colts made it tough on him. Then go forward to, I would say, last week, right, with... Uh, we'll, we'll not put Frank Gore in this category, although we love Frank Gore, <laughs> but I don't think he's he's on that level. We'll just uh, so say the forth. Jets
2: couldn't do anything.
1: <laughs> exactly. So not a very good depiction of if anything. So we're going to skip that game. But go to Chicago. Chicago definitely wants to run the ball. Now, they've, they've had injuries at that position too, but uh, if you think about it, I think the Colts, this past Sunday, I think it was 2.8 yards per carry that they gave up against Chicago. I mean, that is astounding, okay? That's unbelievable. So, again, we talked about these, these matchups working in the Colts' favor. I think I think they're game for it. We'll see. Uh, but but that those two matchups in particular, I really think, um, are going to be factors in this game. And I think the Colts have the opportunity to shut the run down. And if they do, then Odell Beckham's going to be a factor for good, or, for better, or for worse. He's going to have to play some role, right? Um, because Baker's going to have to throw it. So I got another we, matchup
2: for you. What's So, that? you know, we talk about, you know, can they can they run the ball? Can the Browns run the ball on the Colts? And a huge part of that's going to be 99 in the middle, DeForest Buckner. The Browns are pretty solid up front. You know, I remember watching them two years ago during training camp when the Browns came to Indy for two days, and the Colts defensive line just absolutely murdered the Browns offensive line. It was not even fair. They've made a lot of progress since. So I'm looking at DeForest Buckner on the Colts and Grover Stewart going against J.C. Tretter. He's the Browns center. And then they got two guards who were pretty good. Joel Bentino I'm totally butchering his last name. And then Wyatt Teller on the <laughs> other side. He's an offensive lineman. No one cares. Right, right, right. It's like the Browns writer trying to pronounce Mark Lewinsky's last name or something. <laughs> right. Um, but that's going to be fun because that's where the Colts are winning these games. They're winning them in the trenches, especially mm. the middle of the line. And, look, Buckner's been awesome, but Grover Stewart's making plays every single week too. And Justin Houston – just doesn't seem to ever age. He's, he's good for one or two or three big plays every week. Um, that's going to be fun to watch. You talk about those hidden matchups in the game, Xavier Rose versus Beckham's going to get all the headlines, but in the trenches, that's where the Colts are winning. They absolutely won that game Sunday in Chicago in the trenches. They can keep doing that. They're going to give their cells a chance to win a lot of these games down the stretch.
1: Yeah, the one thing, I just to piggyback on, on what you just said, I think those guys up front on the Colts side, they really have been, I was going to say the unsung heroes, but I think we've been singing their praises, so that's not true. But certainly they have been the heroes of of what's been some early season defensive success, as much as, you know, uh, Xavier Rhodes has made plays and, you know, the kid Julian Blackman's out there making plays right Darius Leonard makes his plays it all starts up front and we say this every week but but listen really those guys i think have been they have been the most consistent part of this defense i think all the way through yeah. i mean even week 1 if i had to pick the bright spot on the defense it was the defensive line cuz i think they shored things up after a sort of a rough start to that game they tightened it up and i thought made it tough on jacksonville in the second half they, i think jacksonville in the second half of that game Fun fact, they ran for like six yards in the second half of that game. It was unbelievable.
2: Right. So that that game will be an anomaly all the way through mm -hmm. November and December. We'll look back and be like, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. I don't know what their record's going to be, but you won't see another performance like that from another offense, I don't think, you know, where they just basically have their way. Like that doesn't seem to be something. Unless it's like Aaron
2: Rodgers and you just tip your cap to him. Fine.
1: right? Right. Fine. He's Aaron Rodgers, he's the GOAT. But other than that, yeah, I, I don't anticipate that happening. Doesn't mean they don't have bad days, but I don't anticipate that. So, anyhow, I, I just think that DeForest Buckner, <laughs> I say that, I feel like we say this every time we do a podcast, but it's just freaking true. This guy has revolutionized his defense. It's totally different.
2: This is what it's and, like to have a three technique. No offense I, I, to the I mean, three techniques they've had in the past, but this is what it's like. <laughs> when Ballard said it's the engine that drives the defense, we are no. It's okay. You can Z. offend them. You can offend them. They weren't this guy. <laughs> okay. No. no. <laughs> I mean, even even on the practice field, we just saw, you know, them work out for the first twenty to thirty minutes of practice. I mean, just him. Uh, and I mentioned this last week, like just him against the other defensive lineman. He, he's a head taller. He's bigger. He's longer. He's six seven, and, and he even stands out in a room full of six two guys. You know. So, um, would you take that over the thirteenth pick right now? I'm, I'm pretty sure you would. I don't know if Javon Kinlaw has done anything out in San Francisco, but I'm pretty sure Buckner's going to be an all-pro this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if the 13th pick can revolutionize your defense, then, hey, good luck, okay? Right. Then kudos to you. <laughs> great pick. But unless you're getting that, then it's a great it's a great acquisition. No question. I mean, look, it, did
2: it cost them? Yeah,
1: $20 bucks a year. Yeah, but, but that's what throw, those guys
2: cost. Let me throw mm-hmm. you this out there. Yeah, yeah, it cost them a lot of money. If you're talking about capital I mean the draft capital what did Frank Clark cost he was two picks and what did Khalil Mack cost like a huge arsenal of picks right so you're gonna pay a lot you're gonna give up a lot to get a player of that talent and I don't think DeForest Buckner is in the same level as Khalil Mack and probably not Frank Clark but for the Colts you'd make that trade 10 times out of 10 and I saw this on Twitter earlier like the last time they made a pick they made a trade for a first-round pick. Do you remember what the trade was? You were was two Trent or three Richardson. weeks on the job. Yeah. It was Trent Richardson. <laughs> yeah. So these, can be, so these can be moves that really, really pay off or really, really blow up in your face because there's a lot on the line. And this one seems to be working out really well for the Colts. I just want to understand you
1: correctly. Are you saying that Trent Richardson w- didn't give value as a first-round pick?
2: <laughs> I scored mean, a touchdown on his first play. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know what happened after that. It's all downhill from there. So, anyhow, that, uh,
1: man, I don't know how we got there. Man, 2013 was wild, right. wasn't it? Um, I, I just, just want to see how they match up. I, I really think there's, you know, these are the kinds of games that I like because I like those subplots. And there's a ton of them in this game. And we'll just have to see how the Colts hold up. I, I do think, though, going in, I, I think the, the Browns are just as worried about the Colts as the Colts are about them. So
2: I'd be worried um, about the Colts, too. I yeah. I, I'm, I would I just think they might not be in that top echelon of the top five to six teams in the NFL right now, and that's fine. But, you know, people want to say they haven't beaten anyone. Well, look at how they've beaten these teams. I mean, they've beaten them very soundly. And if Rivers makes a couple throws on Sunday, I think it's an even wider margin. So we'll see if they can continue it. But um, I, I wouldn't want to play the Colts right now, especially with the way that defense is playing. Yeah, yeah. Now. The Colts, we
1: hit on this a little bit earlier. They do have some injuries, and I think this is something that I want to hit on because they have already eaten into a lot of their depth. Now, the good news is that depth is showing up. I, I think you talked. we've talked about a couple of things so far. We talked about the move they made to get Buckner and, and what effect that has had. I think the other thing that they deserve a lot of credit for is – is understanding they lacked depth. And I think last year taught them that, frankly. I mean, they saw it last year, firsthand. You had a 5-2 and two team. There were many reasons they fell apart, but they fell apart. And one of the reasons was the depth. They didn't have enough. This year, I think we are seeing the difference that increased depth can make. I mean, you never want to have to tap into it in the first three or four weeks of the season, but they have. You know, uh, it is what it is. I mean, this has been a rough year. Right. So... That, has, that is really paying off for, for right now. You're talking about at wide receiver. You've lost two starters, essentially. You've lost... Well, you did lose a starting corner for two games in Rocky Asin He came back and, and was a welcome addition, obviously. Now, we'll see. It's going to get... It may get tested again here. Uh, linebacker. Here's the good news. Linebacker is probably their deepest spot. <laughs> but, but they're down three guys. And that's where it's tough. They're, at least... As we sit here today. So Darius Leonard dealing with the groin. Bobby Okiriki has a, a thumb injury and had, had a procedure on that. Haven't seen him. And then TJ Carry is still dealing with, I believe, a hamstring, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I'm sorry. not EJ Speed is dealing with an elbow injury. TJ Carey's on my list too, but we'll get to him. He doesn't play linebacker. Um, so anyhow, my point is, that's a lot of chipping away at your depth. <laughs> Man. Uh, what do you think... Well, l- let me ask you this. I don't know what's going to happen this week, but what role do you think the increased depth has played in this 3-1 and start? Because I don't think they're there without it.
2: No, I'm, I'm buying that. And you can you can go up and down the roster and, and find guys like Zach Paschal, who's all of a sudden your number two receiver, who made plays on Sunday. TJ Carey has stepped in, and, and they didn't have that cornerback depth in, in years past. And that's why they went out and got him. Um, and on Sunday... The linebacker spot is going to be interesting. Let's just say that Darius doesn't play. Let's say that Okariki doesn't play. So you've got Walker, who probably plays the will,
1: maybe? Pro- probably in 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 Leonard's absence, I imagine, yeah. Right,
2: and, and you move... I would Well, think actually, it pre- depends
1: because you're missing the mic, too. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so, you, mean, you only the, need to play same.
2: two for the most of the snaps, but uh, yeah. I'm looking at Zaire Franklin is the guy that's going to come on down and step in, I would think. He, maybe he played EJ's on Sunday. In yeah. there. EJ was out there today at practice with a red jersey. That's a non-contact, still coming back from that elbow. Um, you know, Matthew Adams is down. I don't think you're going to play Jordan Glasgow unless you have to. But um, that's something maybe the Colts have taken for granted. Now, they did well last year when Leonard was out, um, but that was because Okariki was able to play and Walker was able to play. But, you know, the linebackers, it's a huge role in this defense. You have to be fast. You have to be able to cover – you know, We all know that Walker is not as quick as Leonard. Walker's still a really good player, and I think a lot of that is because he's able to play with Leonard. That will be key, and if I'm the Browns, I'm going to attack that unit. There's just no doubt. You have to go with that unit and see what they're made of. Maybe Zaire Franklin's ready to step up and, and fill the need, but um, again, another test of the Colts' depth, and we're only in Week 5.
1: Yeah, EJ Speed is is sort of a sneaky guy to watch, too. He He started the game last year, I want to say it was against Atlanta, and actually was somewhat impressive as a rookie there hasn't played a lot since. So he hasn't been tested and he's coming off an injury. So he's limited in practice. So that will, and that will sort of influence personnel decisions too. So we'll see. But anyway, he's a guy to keep in mind. But yeah, the linebacker depth is going to get tested. You know, we, we talked about linebackers after they made the roster cuts and we're like, huh, what are you keeping seven linebackers for? Yeah. That's well, stupid.
2: <laughs> now you're patting are. yourself
1: on the back. Yeah, so I I told Chris Ballard recently, I said, you know, I don't know if you guys are lucky or smart, but <laughs> said, either one, I'm sure you'll take it. And I think I was talking about, uh, you know, the, well, first it was after the Marlon Mack injury. I was like, man, look at that. You know, you got Jonathan Taylor and then uh, wide receiver, right? Paris Campbell, oh, you got Michael Pittman. So, I mean, it's worked in their favor. I mean, it, it really reinforces – the whole idea that, you know, drafting for need, quote unquote, is, I think we might have even said this on our last podcast. Right, Drafting for need is not necessarily the way to go. And this is why, because depth is just as important as having frontline players. So, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top. It always does.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about our old friend COVID. Man, I mean, sore subject, right? We all hate it, but man, I, I tell you, I think I'm at the point, I told you this at practice today, where every time I look at Twitter, I'm just hoping there's not some Colts rumor about a, a positive test because, I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, I, I would say to bring this home to the Colts, what's happening around the league. We're seeing a lot, obviously a lot of fallout from Tennessee and what's happening there. Uh, reports of them holding private workouts when they were supposed to be at home, social distancing because of the outbreak. But th- to to bring it full circle to the Colts, which is why you're listening. I thought it was interesting. I believe it was Frank Reich Who disclosed that, that Chris Ballard had a talk with the guys this week. and was very clear. Like what, what was the message? And, and do you think they needed to hear that Zach?
2: Yeah, and I don't think they were – I don't think they were not taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's the vibe we've gotten. They've gone to extreme lengths in the team facility to overhaul that place and to make it, you know, as, as good of a COVID fighting fortress as you can find. Um, and again, no positive test for the Colts since they reconvened at the start of training camp. They had a couple when they reported, but ever since they've been clean, and, and that's encouraging, but – This is something that only takes one, and then you never know. Maybe it's an opponent where you don't really have control. You've seen the Chiefs and the Patriots and all that with Mahomes and and Stephon Gilmore. We'll see, Um, but I am buying what Frank Reich said early on, and they reinforced this week, that they've got mature guys, and um, you're putting the team at risk. I mean, the Patriots didn't have a chance on, on Monday night without Cam Newton. You saw Brian Hoyer. He was terrible. Um, and well, I'm not blaming where. Cam, but but that's just the reality <laughs> of it. So if you lose a key player to COVID, you know that's just going to hurt the team. So um, that was reinforced by Chris Ballard yesterday to the guys in a team meeting. Um, they've got good leadership here in the Colts. I'm not saying they're going to be free of this the rest of the year, but um, it's going to be difficult. And and you don't where's Tennessee going to end up in all this? Are they going to have yeah. to forfeit games? Um, and Tennessee is absolutely the biggest competition the Colts have in the division right now because Houston is 0-4. They're changing coaches. Jacksonville's Jacksonville. It's going to be Colts or Tennessee that wins this division and has a home playoff game. Tennessee's 3-0, and 0, but when are they going to play again? So, you know, that had to be part of the message as well. You've got a great chance here to get into the postseason, um, but it's going to take smart decisions every single day from here on out.
1: Yeah, how, how do you think – I know you don't know this answer, but I'm just wondering if we should bat it around – uh, and I know Colts fans are interested, right? So what happens with Tennessee? How do they resolve this? I mean, if they miss another game, I don't know how you manage this from a schedule standpoint without making the season longer or you know dragging the season out. I'm not even sure. And then the trickle-down effect on other teams, which isn't totally fair. I mean, no one can control COVID, but you can control your behavior. And if if what's been reported is true, that is just a terrible reflection of that franchise. So uh, in terms of a personal responsibility. Uh, don't, you Titans, think,
2: don't you think the NFL comes in and, and punishes? Oh, I
1: think it's going to be a massive
2: crackdown. I mean, we're talking potentially games and we're talking, I mean, they might give them a loss. I mean, they might yeah put their foot down because the NFL has been finding head coaches a hundred thousand dollars for not having their mask on completely over their mouth. On the sideline, right? hundred grand. Right. Um, you can find a team a million dollars, but it's more valuable to have a win in the in the win column, right? So, oh, they take know, the win- they take the fine over the loss. <laughs> no any question. day of the week, this league yep. prints money, so if you want to really hurt an NFL team. Give them a loss, especially the Titans, who are in a division race with the Colts. Um, everything's on the table, I think, and we'll see what happens. But um, I can almost guarantee you the NFL is going to come down really hard on the Titans after they found out that they were um, getting together for practices, which is, you know, strictly against league protocols while the building is shut down due to a COVID outbreak.
1: Yeah, absolutely egregious. Uh, The other AOC South story of note this week, I think I want to touch on because, you know, he's near and dear to our hearts. Bill O'Brien, you know, (laughs) he's gone. (laughs) I know Colts fans, you have mixed feelings about that. Uh, he look I, I would say this I have here's my reaction number one okay finally <laughs> first of all <laughs> second of all I think the the result of what Bill O'Brien did will outlive Bill O'Brien's time in Houston and that's the shame of it is he hasn't left them in a great place okay no. it'd be one thing if they were four and oh and have no draft picks <laughs> okay right. but they're only four they're nowhere. OK, JJ Watts a year older, Deshaun Watson's a year more frustrated, right? I mean, like, what is this? I mean, where where are they at, do you think? And just what were your thoughts on just, you know, upon hearing that news?
2: It's such a weird situation because, look, they've won the division four out of six years. They were up 24, 24 to zero on the Chiefs in the divisional round last year before they got beat by 20. Um, it always felt like the Texans had the talent to be an elite, elite team in the final four, we're talking like AFC championship game quality team to this day. I I still don't understand how you trade Deandre Hopkins. Like I do not understand that football move. Um, They gave him a ton of power and he used the power and he got rid of all their assets. They got no draft capital. They're paying these guys huge contracts that aren't winning games and you got to look long and hard at the future of your franchise. If the future is Deshaun Watson and he's getting beat up every week behind an offensive line that isn't protecting him and behind a coach that isn't helping him flourish and win games, you know, they're going to have to look at the offensive side of the ball and figure out who they want to bring in as the next head coach. But um, they're at a, they're at like a turning point because Brian, O'Brien ran everything there. I mean, personnel, coaching, everything. Um, who knows how they play out the rest of the season. Um, but, Man, I mean, if you would have told me at halftime of that Houston-Kansas City playoff game last year that O'Brien wouldn't even make it to Week 5, I wouldn't have believed you. But um, in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, I can't believe they traded DeAndre Hopkins when they did. I still (laughs) can't understand that. (laughs) When he gets in trying in the Hall of Fame, but hey, you know they traded that guy? (laughs) In his prime. I've watched that (laughs) dude tear up so many teams over the years. It doesn't make any sense. But um, look, if you're the Colts, you're not mad. You're not mad about this.
1: No. You know, my thought on this, is it's interesting. I think the turning point in the Bill O'Brien saga was when he got more power, honestly. Because had he still been just the coach, quote-unquote, I think he's still there. Because I think then he has someone to protect him from himself. A general manager, a VP, whatever. Someone making football decisions. If there's still someone there making the football decisions, I think this guy's still... In his corner office at, in Houston,
2: don't you? Just real quick, don't you lean away from that in just about yes. every situation except for one guy. I'm going to give you Belichick, have to earn it. Belichick gets full it. control, right? He can do whatever. He's a very, very unique guy. I can't think of another situation where a guy's done it for this long. Maybe Andy Reid a little bit in Kansas City, just because he knows the offense so well. But I, I was going to
1: say Andy Reid.
2: Probably what has O'Brien has the done juice. to earn full control?
1: Right. Pete Carroll has some juice. But, I mean, these guys, first of all, these guys got rings. Okay. Tomlin. That's number one. All of them that we just mentioned. They got rings. And they still have general managers who are very much involved and have A very active role in the decision making. I mean, I think Pete Carroll, the decision making is very collaborative there with his. Yeah, and they got one of the
2: best. They got one of the best GMs in football still. Absolutely.
1: So it's not like it's not like the Pete Carroll show either. Okay, and Andy Reid, I think same thing. You know, uh, that that structure there has always been. You know, with a general manager who's very influential in making decisions and so forth. I think changes over the years. Andy Reid's uh, voice has probably grown, but it's still collaborative. And then, you know, you have the New England Belichicks, right? And he runs everything. But that's, okay, he's he's running out of rings. Excuse me. He's running out of fingers for rings, okay? So, hey, let the guy have his say. Yeah, Bill O'Brien didn't earn that, in my view. And then part of the reason, and I heard Bill Cower allude to this on TV the other night during halftime of the game, part of the reason is his, his interpersonal issues. And... You know, I know we're getting way off the subject here in terms of Colts, but I just think it's interesting because we're we're close to this and we've seen this play out. You know, alongside the Colts in the division, and that's what it goes to show you. I mean, I think sometimes power is not something that everybody needs to possess. You know? Yes, and that's I wonder well about said. that in
2: this case. So right, and look, if you're having screaming matches with JJ Watt during practice, that's not good either. That's no. that. I think that's the that's the final straw here. Is it's not that he was just losing games the minute you lose the locker room if you lose a guy like JJ Watt respected as any in this game then I think that's when Cal McNair said it's it's time to go
1: yeah I mean there aren't many more team oriented guys than JJ Watt okay so I mean he's put it on the on the line for that team when they were good when they were bad you know whatever so right. yeah you 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 probably lose the locker room and more importantly you lose the owner <laughs> when you do that so. Anyway, the good news is uh the Colts don't have those issues. They actually have quite the opposite. They didn't always, <laughs>
2: but they do now. <laughs> so that's good. Um aren't you glad we don't have to talk about I, that anymore? In I'm just anymore? holding I'm just I'm just <laughs> holding back. I'm just going to let this segment go without saying anything. It's good. You know you were tempted. It's good. Yeah, it's 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 good to cover a team where everybody gets along.
1: It's different. Yeah, it's new.
2: I like it. All right. Well,
1: we'll see. Uh, Colts at Browns on Sunday. Big game. I like big games. I mean, it's it's fun to be a part of a team that's playing meaningful games, uh, especially this early in the season. You know, I think it's starting to heat up and we're going to know a lot about this team, I think, in the next month. October is going to be a very right. telling month, I think, for the Colts and obviously going into November as well. November is and- huge.
2: But if you look at it, look, you got Cleveland on Sunday. Let's say you win that one. Then mm-hmm. you've got Cincinnati. You got to beat the Bengals, who are gotcha. better, but you got to beat the Bengals at home. And you know, we're talking six and one before the bye, which is what you gotta do with the really, really tough November coming up and some really good quarterbacks on the slate. But man, six and one around here would be um it would be a big deal. Been a long time. Okay. Yeah, we're getting ahead it, of ourselves, but again, it would be two thousand nine, I believe, when they went fourteen and zero and then gave wow. up the perfect season. But that's a whole nother conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. All right. Well, anyway, that's it for us today. Uh, say stay tuned to the athletic. Lots of good coverage coming. Uh, From me, Zach, Bob Kravitz, and the whole cross, the whole host of uh, writers over what three or four hundred strong around the world. So, uh, thanks for subscribing. And hey, we'll we'll see what happens Sunday, and we'll be back to react to it Sunday night with one percent better. Thanks for listening.